0: Welcome to the Delta State Ruf Podcast. Ruf at Delta State is seeking to be a cross-cultural Christian community. We rely completely on the financial support of individuals and churches. If you'd like to partner with us, go to www.givetoruf.org 2 ruforg donate delta state And if you'd like to keep up with us, look us up on Instagram at Ruf Delta State. Thanks for listening. So this week we're looking at community. Um, community, what is, what is real community? Um, what is authentic community? What does that actually look like? What does Jesus want for us in community? Um, not just a bunch of people who, you know, somebody you can do homework with or um, somebody you can, like, go party with or do something like that, but somebody that you can actually be with. So what, is, uh, what does community look like? We're going to use a passage out of uh, the New Testament, uh, out of Ephesians 4, um, kind of as our jumping off point and see what – there's a lot to be said. Uh, I want keep it, to keep it time sensitive, but um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about this topic. But we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and uh, jump on in. So this is God's word, starting in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says... When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the one who, uh, very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers uh, to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, we thank you um, that you are the good shepherd. Um, You're the good shepherd. You... As we just read, uh, when you came, you came to set the captive free and to give gifts to them, to your people. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that tonight, um, that you would give us, uh, again, the gift of your grace, um, that you would point us to yourself. Uh, Lord, whether we believe in you, whether we're struggling to believe, whether we don't believe, um, whether we're just here for some hot chocolate, um, Lord, I pray that you would point us to yourself tonight. Um, show us your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a couple of years ago, oh man, it was probably four years ago now. Um, so I've worked with RUF for nine years. Before I was here at Delta State, it was another campus in Georgia, Georgia Southern University. And we took a um, a mission trip up to St. Louis. And we left early from Statesboro, where Georgia's on to Statesboro, Georgia. We left early from Statesboro to go to St. Louis so that for one reason, and that was to go to the place called the City Museum. Any of y'all ever been to St. Louis and ever been to the City Museum? Lindsey, okay, likes it, okay. It is amazing. Um, St. Louis is a really cool city, but um, the City Museum is this just like amazing playground for adults and older kids. They have, uh, it's this old warehouse that's been transformed into this, mu- museum's a bad word, I mean, it's what they call it, but it's more of a playground, think playground. There's an eight, eight story tall slide, like you slide down, there's this like underground tunnel system, there's this like thing of roots and it uh, tr- looks like trees, but it's like you climb through it and have to find, it's just a really cool place. And so we went there early and, and went to that and just like played um to play there and after it one of the guys one of the students that, that went with us um <laughs> after we walked out of there he said that was the best 3 hours of my life <laughs> um and that place is amazing because another thing about it that I didn't tell you is that everything in there was trash like everything in there was something that someone disposed of and said hey this is useless and so I'm throwing it away I'm discarding it I'm getting rid of it um And the city museum took these things and these broken, useless, worthless things and redeemed them and made them into something amazing. And I mention that to say that throughout all of scripture, that's what God is doing. He's taking broken, messed up, sinful people and he's making something beautiful and amazing. He's making his church. Um, this passage we're going to look at tonight and, and discuss is it's about living out our unity in a community centered around Jesus. It's about living out our unity that Jesus says we're actually united to him. And you know, if I'm united to him and, and you're united to him, then like any math people out there are the transitive property that actually checks out. But like we're actually united as well, and so it's about living out our unity that we have in Jesus and the community centered around Him. And to do that, we gotta—you know—we kind of gotta understand where we're coming from. Um, that like sin and our brokenness is real. That we walk into something like our UF, we walk into something, uh, we walk into church, uh, we walk into somewhere like that, and we say, "Man, why isn't like?" <laughs> Why did not anybody talk to me? When we're supposed to pair up, why didn't somebody like come running to me? Or why isn't anyone noticing me? Or why doesn't someone ask at least how I'm doing? And the secret is that to some degree, and maybe not those exact questions, but the secret is, is that we're all asking those questions. Um, why am I not seeing? Um, community can be hard, and it can be awkward. It's easy to feel unloved. It's easy to feel unnoticed. It's easy to feel... Um, not cared for. And it's also easy to feel the shame that we feel in our minds of, man, in some ways I'm kind of glad they're keeping their distance because if they really knew me, if they knew my story, if they knew what I, what I was like or what I am like or what goes through my head or whatever it may be, then you know what? They may not actually want me around in the first place. Um, you know, We see that in times when you know some ugly truth comes out about a friend. When there's a friend of yours that something just comes out about them or maybe a mentor or teacher or something like that. Um, And we want to get mad. And we do get mad in some ways. Like, that's good. Like, we should get angry. Um, But in – depending on what it was, scale here. um, In reality, what God is doing, he's taking broken, sinful, messed up people, and he's making something beautiful. Um And so after explaining, you know, the first half of this book, book of Ephesians is is six chapters. The first three chapters is basically God saying like, hey, here's uh, here's some rich truth about who I am and who you are and how I've made you and how this world is supposed to work. And it's rich and it's beautiful and it's very intellectual. And in the second half of the book, he says like, all right, now go and live that way. And so the first thing he says, you know, the end of chapter 3, this is chapter 4, starting the second half of this book. The first thing he says is, hey, I want you to live out your unity in community around Jesus. Uh, And so we're going to briefly look at four things that he actually says in this passage that are essential to living as a community. Um, So, first one. uh, Those four things, they all end the same, but... They're actually in here. Um, charity, unity, diversity, and maturity. All right. So the first one, charity. Uh, charity is in Christian charity. The first part of living in community is, is charity. And what is that? Compassion. Uh, Christian compassion, Christ-likeness, um, uh, sanctified, like growing in Jesus character formation. And what he gets at, even in just these first two verses, he throws out some big words. Bless you. Um, he throws out some, some uh, very noteworthy words. Um, one, first one is humility. Um, something that, that critical to, to this idea of charity and community is humility. Um, humility is not thinking you're terrible. Humility is not, it's not saying like, man, I'm the worst there is. I'm the scum of the earth. That's not what humility is. That's actually a form of pride. By saying, like, man, I'm actually worse than you. That's taking pride in our sin. It's called false humility. It sounds good, and it sounds really holy, but it actually, what it's saying is like, you know what? Actually, I'm still better than you because I can sin even better than you can. Um, I love how one guy says that. He says, humility is not uh, thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Um, just think about it this way. if you, When you meet someone, you notice... Um, buddy of mine, he, I don't know if he meant this as a compliment. I took it as one. He's like, your BS meter is really high. <laughs> like you can, you just you, you sniff that out. Uh, um, but if you meet someone, you can be like, man, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of hubris there. <laughs> there's a lot of pride there. There's a lot of arrogance. Like we can, right? You can pick that up. You can see that. You know, I mean, do y'all feel that way in some ways? Maybe I don't know. I do. Also, I also heard somebody say, like, if you if you can see pride in someone else, that means you're really prideful too. So, there's another side of that coin. But anyway, pride or ar- arrogance is a lot of times something you notice uh, more immediately. Humility is something that you notice over time. It's like, oh man, they that person like like doesn't despair over their, themselves and and like talk about themselves either positive or negative all the time. But like they're actually like really genuine and caring. Um, humility is something that just kind of dawns on you later on. The second thing he mentions is gentleness. Gentleness. Gentleness is not weakness. Um, it's not weakness. Gentleness is con- controlled strength. Uh, think about it this way. You hear, of, like, you hear people talk about gentle giants, right? You don't hear people talk about gentle mice. Um, gentle giants, like, it takes strength to be gentle. Um, all of my, you know, we have three boys, uh, all of them have like, are fascinated with the idea of like cracking eggs if we're ever cooking something. And the older two now can kind of control it and, and can manage. But when they were young, like all of them, when they were young, we didn't really let them do that. Not because they weren't strong enough to crack it, but because they weren't strong enough to be gentle. They weren't strong enough to, to control it. Um, Uh, Gentleness takes real strength, controlled strength. Gentleness uh, is another thing that we need, that we can actually be gentle with other people. That if someone tells you some uh, deep, dark secret, you can actually respond in gentleness to them. um, In controlled strength, instead of like crushing, cracking that egg, uh, so to speak. Uh, patience, patience. Next thing he mentions, patience, long suffering with those who aggravate you, with those who just like get under your skin. This is um, not flying off the handle uh, or mouthing off to them. Um, this is sticking by them even though they grate on your last nerve. This is based, patience, is basically letting, like admitting that Jesus is still working on them too. Like you knowing that Jesus is still doing something in them, and it 's not immediate, just like it 's not with me and with you, uh, similarly, bearing with one another ugh, bearing with one another in love, um, this is not tolerance tolerance um, to tolerate someone is like to hate them but not to say anything. Um, this is not tolerating; this is bearing with someone in love, this is giving someone permission to be who God made them to be. And not demand that they kind of like bend to your will and to your expectations. Um, bearing with one another in love. So first thing that he mentions that's essential to community is, um, is charity. Uh, the second one is unity. Um, unity. Our unity comes from God's unity. Um, God is a unity. God is a tri-unity. Uh, that's where the, the word trinity comes from. Um, you know, in the verses uh, um, uh, three through six, uh, that we are eager to uh, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the hope, to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Notice how many times I said one in there. Um, seven times it says the word one. What it's getting at is that we are one people based on the unity of God. Um, each person in there is, uh, each person of the Trinity is mentioned, um, responsible for, for certain aspects of the unity that we share. Um, one body, that we are one body because the Spirit actually, like one Spirit, knits you together, knits us together. But there is one hope, one faith, one baptism because we have one Lord, Jesus. Um, there is one church because there is one God and Father of all. Um, Paul is, what he's getting at, the Apostle Paul is writing Ephesians. He's talking about unity, and what he's saying is like, hey, you're actually united together. I mentioned this earlier, but like like if you're the way that, you know the most, most common way that the Bible Particularly the New Testament talks about who you... Like, if you're a Christian, who you are, how it describes you. It says that you are in Christ. Um, The word Christian, I think, is used twice in the New New Testament. Um, When it describes you as a Christian, it says you are in Christ. And so if you are in Christ, and I'm in Christ, and you are in Christ... Like, we're actually... We're united in Christ... Um, and Paul is saying that's how unity is, and because of that, he says, like, you're united to one another, and because you're united to one another, because you're one body, you actually need each other, too. You actually really need each other. Um, I heard a guy giving a lecture on – this was several several years ago, but the story stuck with me um, – I think it was the Old Testament. I think it was on Psalms. But uh, anyway, he was talking about this idea of unity—the fact, like the church, um, as having unity—and he shared a, a very personal story. He talked about his—they um, had four kids. Uh, his one of his daughters was diagnosed with leukemia, um, and she ended up dying when she was 11 years old. And after she passed away, I mean, they're you know they're Christian folks. Um, after after she passed away, he was like we. We wanted to go to church, but we also really didn't, um, because we didn't feel like we could sing praises to God in this moment. Um, and he said, you know, and years later, like hindsight of this, he said, we went to church, and when it was time, we went, we went to receive. And when it was time to, to you know, people stood up, stood up around us to sing, he was like, we, we did not sing. And what we actually needed, what we were doing in that moment, is we actually needed our brothers and sisters in Christ to sing for us, to sing the praises to our God that we couldn't sing at that time. It was just a beautiful story of like we actually, I mean, there's brokenness, but we actually need one another. We need, we need unity. We need unity in our sorrow. Um, when you know, when life just hits the fan, when you lose a loved one, you've got this grief that. You know, the sad thing is that a lot of times in the church, people just look at you and like, man, you lost somebody, like, you know, maybe you get like a week for a friend or a month for a family member. Um, But then after that, you should probably, you you should kind of get over this. You should have your life together. Uh, Grief doesn't work that way. (laughs) Grief lingers, and it stays with you for a long time, and we need unity in that. We actually need to be together in that. We need unity in just like the everyday parts of life of like, Man, I need unity because I don't want to eat in the calf by myself. <laughs> um, I need unity because I need help, like, loading my car for a long weekend for Christmas break or whatever it is. Uh, we need unity and joy that, like, man, some money just came in through Cash App. Like, let's rejoice. Like, I got a much higher grade than I expected. Like, let's, you know, let's, there's joy there. All that to say, like, God never, never designed us to be Lone Ranger Christians. He never designed us to go with this life thing or Christian thing on our own. We actually need each other. And what he says is like, hey, you're actually united to each other. So you have each other. Um, so charity, unity, third, diversity. Uh, next week we're talking about just like cross-cultural community. We'll talk more about race, um, ethnicity, socioeconomic. Um, what, because in the book of Ephesians, that's a letter. In the second chapter, Paul talks about that a lot. Um, in the fourth chapter, what, how he talks about diversity here is more about gifts, like gifting in the church. So, like, stay tuned. Next week we're going to talk more about um, uh, race, race, racial reconciliation, cultural, cross-cultural ministry, community. But this week he's talking – or in this passage he's talking about diversity of gifts. Um, Christianity is unique among religions because what it doesn't say is that once you become, like – a Christian or part of this religion that you have to become a certain type of person that fits in a little box and you have to like cut off all these parts of you that you have to like um, uh, assimilate to some culture. Um, Christianity doesn't teach that we're, all, that we're all supposed to be identical robots. Um, Christianity says, hey, you're, you're made uniquely in the image of God. Um, And that's actually a really beautiful thing. And so what Paul's getting at here is he says, like, hey, there's lots of different gifts. Um, And grace was given by Jesus to you and to your brothers and sisters in Christ. that You actually have different gifts, and that's a really beautiful thing. In verse 8, he quotes out of Psalm 68 about Jesus leading the captives out of captivity, leads them to freedom. And what he's doing... um, so I guess Jesus would pick be free from our would-you-rather, maybe, I guess. But you're also safe with Jesus. Anyway, um, so the picture of, of Psalm 68 and what like, why he's quoting this uh, in Ephesians 4 is that it's Jesus leading captives out of captivity to the throne, to the throne of grace, where they are going to receive gifts and treasure which he then gives to the church as well. Um, It's about Jesus giving gifts. And it only talks about a few here, but there are extensive lists elsewhere. You know, here he says teachers, evangelists, shepherds. um, You know, there's gifts of administration that some of y'all can run circles uh, around um, me, but that's not saying much, but like, that God has really gifted you in that way, and you're a really organized person, and that just kind of clicks with you. Uh, music people, like the gift of music, that is a gift that God has given to other, not me, but other people. Um, gifts of service, um, gifts of doing kind of like behind-the-scenes work. That like there are so many different uh, manifestations of what this looks like and the different types of gifts. And God is saying like, hey, these actually are really, really good. I mean, think about it this way. Um, if you had a band that had like six bassists, six people playing the bass guitar, I mean, that wouldn't, like, that wouldn't go anywhere. You need diversity in there. You need you know, a bass guitar. You need drums. You need keys. You need vocals. You need other stuff. Um, if you had a football team that was like 11 quarterbacks on the field at one time, uh, you're going to get smoked. Um, It's just not going to work that way. You actually need other people who are gifted and talented um, and have been grace given in that particular way. Um, We need those people around us. And then what it gets to, what what he gets to in this letter is he says, hey, why are these gifts given? Why are these given to us? And the answer, um, he says, these are given for service. Uh, these are given, like, not that you can hoard it and keep it to yourself because then you'd have just one little gift and you'd miss the, the whole, like, rich mosaic of all the good, good gifts that God has. But these are actually given to be shared um, for service. You know, if you've ever been on a mission trip, like, or done some sort of, like, service trip with other people, you realize that, like, hey, we actually... As we work alongside one another, we actually grow closer together, and we become friends. Um, why is that it 's because you 're working for something bigger than ourselves that there 's a celebrated diversity working for a common good instead of just you know me trying to get mine. Um, I heard the story any Greenville people out there? Um, I heard the story about the the um, not that you'd remember this. Maybe the history lessons. But uh, 1926, the, the year the flood, um, uh, the year of the flood, that, man, just got obviously not devastated, but did a lot of damage in the Delta. Uh, there was a book about it. Um, I hadn't read the book. I've read kind of just the story out of the book. But um, Lanterns on the Levee, and for two and a half months after the flood, uh, Greenville was just, like, underwater. And according to the, the story, for the first two weeks of that, it was just like this beautiful, like, picture of community and togetherness that all these people were, like, stranded. And it was like, okay, let's pool our resources. How are we going to make it? How are we going to survive this? And after two weeks, at the two-week mark, that changed. And it said it became like war and anarchy. Um, like Lord of the Flies type stuff. What happened at that two week mark? It it went from like, hey, let's get our stuff together, let's pool our resources, let's let's uh, let's let's us overcome and survive. It's the two week mark is when the Red Cross packages, help packages started showing up, and people started saying like, well, I got to get mine, like I'm out for me, and I'm gonna get this instead of like working together to serve one another and use those gifts. It became like, all right. I'm just focused on me. Um, you know, as we think about, you know, this week, diversity of gifts, the church needs you. The church needs you, even if you think your gift isn't, isn't as important. There are some branches of the church that, that, um, that focus on one or the other. They're like, oh man, you're really, like, you're really outgoing and can talk to a brick wall, like, you're really talented, and we're going to put you out front, and you're going to be celebrated the most because you can reach out to people and do evangelism. Uh, or somebody who can, like, stand up in front of people and talk. Or somebody um, who's really good musically, or whatever it may be, <clears throat> that certain gifts are put out there, sadly, as more important. But what Jesus says is, like, hey, it's a body. Like, a body needs every part, um, Uh, Even if you think your gift isn't as important, um, God is wanting for us to move away from the idea of, like, idolizing something else, um, something that he hadn't made us to be, um, and embracing our uniqueness in Jesus. All right, the last one is maturity. Uh, Maturity, all these things, uh, charity, unity, diversity, you know, it says, like, hey, there's a purpose that this is moving towards. There's a purpose that this is moving towards. Verses 13 to 16. That purpose is um, is maturity. Uh, verse 15: um, Growing up, we are to grow up every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Uh, verse 13: To maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, Paul is saying that maturity is not being like a child. Who it is being like a child in some ways. But maturity is not being like a child who, who sees, like, who's focused on something and sees something shiny and, like, runs the other way and completely abandons it. And that's the, that's the metaphor he, he uses, verse 14. Uh, so that may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Um, he's using seasickness as a picture of immaturity. Because seasickness, if you've ever been seasick, um, you know that like that comes from within. That's not like, you know, somebody shakes you. That's like there's something in your equilibrium that throws off your inner ear that makes you just like you can't get well, can't get right. Um, and so it's seasickness. And it disorients you from the inside. Um, immaturity disorients us from the inside. Um, so, like, if a friend, you know, if your friend, like, knows they made a mistake, immaturity, like, that comes, that disorients from the inside, says, like, hey, I need to actually point that out and remind them often of how they made that mistake. Um, if, if your roommate, or, like, another, maybe another friend, or if your roommate is a new Christian, immaturity tells you that, like, hey, I have to, like, tell them that they have to have everything right immediately. They have to know perfectly like how it is to live and follow Jesus. They have to know that right now. That's immaturity, um, that disorients us from the inside. So, how do you actually grow into maturity? Um, what he says is that you have to speak the truth in love. Um, when I was in college, uh, me and some buddies—really, just me and one guy—but there's another couple that would come with us every now. And another couple guys would come with us every now and then. But every Sunday night, we went to this. It's still probably the best pizza I've ever had. The place in Starkville. Uh, Stromboli's. Have ever, you ever been there? No? Okay. Uh, it's incredible. Um, but we'd go there every Sunday night and go get pizza or go pick it up. Um, and a friend of mine, like the guy that I usually went with, had a huge test. And I, like, I mean, I laid down the guilt trip, like, on him. Uh, tried to manipulate him. Like, dude, you can't bail on me. Like, this is what we do. Um... And I just kept like kept going at him, like kept trying to break him, and, and he eventually like got angry and yelled. He's like, "No, I'm not going with you. You're guilt tripping and you're trying to manipulate me into doing something that I can't do because I have this. You have know, like a midterm or something the next day." Um, and he was like, "You're being a jerk." I don't know if he used that word, but that was the message of it. But you know what? He was right. Like he was absolutely right. Um, and I needed him as a good friend to be honest with me to speak the truth he says it wasn't really out of love but to speak the truth and love to me um uh that's what paul says we need we need this we need to speak the truth in love and we need to have that done for us as well um confrontation and unity like they aren't mutually exclusive they actually like go together. Confrontation is a sign of unity, because if you're not willing to confront somebody, like the friendship doesn't mean anything to you, then you're not willing to confront them because you're just going to let it go. But the fact that like you actually have a unity says like, hey, if we're going to still coincide, still be united, and still be in a relationship in this way, then we actually do have to say something. We're called to speak the truth in love. Um, you know, some of us tend more towards truth people that just want to, like, make sure you get it right, uh, right and wrong, um, without really caring how much it makes or how it makes other people feel. Love people just want everybody to get along, to be nice to each other. And what Paul's saying here, what Ephesians 4 is saying, like, hey, we're actually called to be both. Um, you know, the only reason we should confront someone is because we love them. Um, someone that you're in a relationship with. Um, if, you do it to, to, if you do it to let them have it, like just to give them a piece of your mind, like you probably shouldn't do it. Um, if it's only to like get rid of them, then, then obviously there's a problem. But the only reason we should con- confront someone is actually so that we can move closer to them. Um, so how do we do that? How do we care for someone? Um, that that we're united to in spite of and because of the diversity in a loving and truth-telling way. Um, Man, that's wisdom. That's that's (laughs) years of practice and maturity there. But this is also why it's so profound that in John, the Gospel of John, when it announced, when John announced who Jesus was, he announced in in John chapter 1 that Jesus, when Jesus came, he was full of grace, love, and truth. That that's, he didn't come just as, just as grace. He didn't come just as truth. But it says he came full of grace and truth. And what you have in the person of Jesus, what you have on the cross, is the ultimate truth-telling event. But also the ultimate act of love. Um, he says later in John, No greater love has anyone than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus died. So that he can speak the truth. um, And be the truth in your life. And on the cross is the ultimate act of confrontation. So that he can actually draw near to you. In love. Um, And when he does draw near. When he draws near. That like we actually finally get to celebrate unity. (laughs) We get to embrace uh, the diversity of how he has made us and actually grow towards Christ and maturity. Um, this is the beauty of who Jesus is. Like, he actually embodies this and wants this for us that in him, truth and love um, actually combine. They're not against each other, but they mesh in a beautiful, beautiful picture. And so, what we see in, in this community is like, as God wants for us. <clears throat> To be a community. You know, as I want for us to be a community. To be able to say, like, hey, true things about each other. Um, to confront where we need to. But to say things in love. Like, I love that last question that we did. The friend and ten uh, last question of, like, hey, what do you really like about this person? Like, we should be able to speak truth, complimentary truth in love about our friends. Um, we should be able... Um, to do that, Jesus wants us, but we also also should be able to say some hard things to one another. But do it out of love. Um, do it in love and in Jesus. Um, that's what he wants for us. For us to actually like, be together and come together um, in charity and unity and diversity and maturity. Uh, to follow Jesus speaking truth and love to one another. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, um, gosh, that's good news, but it is hard to do. Um, It's hard to take those steps to put ourselves out there and do things like that. So I pray that you would, that you would give us your grace uh, to be able to do that. Uh, We need your grace and the gifts that you give us, but we also need um, your grace to be able to trust you um, and to be able to trust other people. So Lord, I thank you for Um, your kindness, and pray that you would help us to grow together um, in unity, Um, that we would uh, live out our unity in this community centered around Jesus. Um, Lord, help us to do that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.